Good morning, everybody. You're listening to another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. My name's Justin Lee, joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so this is what our fourth COVID edition of the uh, program, and yep. Um, yep. And guess what? We'll be talking about it yet again on uh, this version of the show. It is uh, the 14th of August. Is it the 14th or 15th? It's the 15th of August. 15th. Yeah, I don't even know what day of the week it is either. Um, is it Tuesday? No. Okay. Anyway, here's the deal. College football, not looking super promising for the fall, so we'll definitely talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the bubble in the NHL, the bubble in the NBA. Is anybody watching these things? And obviously, we do have to talk some baseball, and that'll be a little bit fun because they are actually playing baseball mostly. Unless you're like the Florida Marlins, whose entire team gets sick and then has to ride a bus for 17 hours to Miami to get back home while a hurricane is bearing down. So, which sounds like something out of a, like a dystopian novel, um, but in any case, that's where we're at right now and the tigers actually have been kind of interesting so all that and more on the saturday morning sports symporium i actually wanted to start and you won't hear me say this often uh, i wanted to start in the world of college football um because I, to me, this this is really one of the, the really big um, one of the really big things we're going to run into. One of the big impacts of the pandemic and what's going on is how college athletics are going to handle this. And you know, we've already seen cancellations and delays and so on and so forth. And uh, and the Big Ten is like, hey, you know, we're we're going to tap out till spring. Um, what's your guys' initial takes on this? Where, where are you at? So, so from my standpoint, we literally covered this and we told you what was going to happen on the last show six weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to our last one last evening, and I'm like, wow, I mean, I don't even know why there was question or debate. And, and again, I think I, we talked about what was going to happen, which was – Basically, you, as we got closer, there were going to be uh, um, uh, college football was going to come, become less and less likely. The thing that was kind of amazing to me, though, and I, I'm almost um, uh, amazed that you just didn't take the microphone, Justin, and pontificate for a few minutes about your absolute unabated love for the NCAA and their managing of this, this situation. Because really, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, the NCAA, first off, I, I think as far as I'm concerned, they just sat around and nothing happened. I mean, nothing happened for months, which we've seen across the board, corporate America, public institutions. I don't know. It was like a, a complete total lack of innovation. But the NCAA with the next step. They just said, I don't want any of this. I, hey, you, you guys, you conferences, you decide amongst yourself, and then <laughs> we'll just watch the rubble and make sure our hands are clean. 
and that's exactly what happened here. And to me, though, at, at the same time, here, here's what I'm going to say. What's been very interesting is the absolute uh, – I believe, or from what I've read, I mean, and what I kind of feel, the complete rejection of the decision of the Pac-10 and the Big Ten in terms of by the players and the parents of the players saying, we want to be playing football this fall. That that and and there's been a a, a large voice for that, um, and I thought, wow, and and I think the one of the things that spoke volumes, and Grant, I haven't heard now. As far as my last understanding, Big Ten, Pac-10, they made decisions. No other conferences, of uh, Power Five conferences, have made any, any decisions. And you know, and and the last thing I would say is that when I'm listening to Trevor Lawrence, I saw Trevor Lawrence tweet, and I, I thought Trevor Lawrence of all people during this pandemic presented the gray area about as well as you could present the gray area whether it be college football or how this whole pandemic is. And um, I, I think that's the, 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 the overall challenge is that there has been a complete, and, and it really I think from the NCAA and some of these conferences, it was just basically we made a decision in a vacuum and we're going to ignore the gray area, i.e. we're going to ignore talking to all parties from what I can tell. So I, that's that. I mean, I, and, and I think, you know, I, what I'm very curious about is what happens with the ACC, the SEC, and these other conferences. So, Brandon, what are your thoughts? Uh, not too much different. You know, I think I kind of land in that the way that the conferences handled this is actually the reason why I agree with the decision. And so, I'm actually, basically what I'm saying is, I think they're so incompetent that they couldn't manage to pull off their athletes playing football in the fall. Because I, I agree with the total mismanagement of this process, the total disregard of all the constituents in the process and making a decision. But that honestly just tells me that they can't handle this. Like, they, they, they would, it would just be a mess in the fall, which is why I think it's the right decision, because they don't know what they're doing. And, they, they, I, I, you know, it just, it just seems like, you know, and there will be complications as there have been in Major League Baseball, you know, with two teams. That's going to happen uh, in college football. It's guaranteed, and I just, the conferences don't seem to have anything doing, and so it, it seems like the right decision for the wrong reasons. You know, it's it's the trickle down effect in this particular case of a lack of leadership at the top. Um, so the NCAA, which I mean, granted, no one should ever anticipate the NCAA doing what's not in its own best interest. Um, it, 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 it will never do anything that's not in its own best interest. In this case, they figured, hey, we're just going to let whatever happened happen. That way we don't look bad. We don't, uh, you know, we don't make a stand anywhere. And we can look like heroes either way. Either we're going to still make money or we're, we're going to be like, hey, we, we watched them cancel the seasons and everybody was safe. I, I, I mean, if for them it was the least bad decision from a self-interest standpoint. Now, one might argue that the purpose of the NCAA is actually to forward the advancement of student athletes and the the things that college athletics is supposed to bring, but that's not what the NCAA does. And we've seen that over and over again for its entire existence. But then you have just the complete mismanagement from you know, the lower levels, the lack of communication. And I think that's what grinds a lot of people's gears is the lack of communication. 
just just tell us give us the opportunity to speak um and, and that's true in any part of life it's just 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 you but but we have so many people in positions of power who have no idea what they're doing more or less when it comes to anything collaborative they're used to doing things a certain way for a variety of reasons and that's just we're just going to soldier forward and it's going to be this disjointed mess of we're going to do this and we're not going to do that and and it's going there, there's no way to recover from this there, there there's no way because you're not going to have players because there's players who want to play right now oh yeah and it's it, and so if the acc plays um are players going to be able to transfer over there are they going to let them is that even does that even make sense in any any concept are we finally going to accept the fact that that the big college athletics and i want to be really really super clear here i'm talking football and basketball when, when it comes to those learning is not important okay that that's not what's what's here i mean i mean it's 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 purely a ruse so that um these games can go on you know i mean individual players may take something away from that that's different but from an administrative perspective in the ncaa and from these big colleges perspective this is how we justify the costs of our other programs this is how we get money from boosters and donors etc so if they're actually going to be real to their ideals they're going to let the kids do whatever they want because it just doesn't matter um but but isn't there uh, in my mind what's interesting is is two level hypocrisy here where you're telling us that you're not going to play football or, or fall sports. And I think that's a, a important distinction. There's no fall sport. It's not just a football thing. Sure. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, I'm hearing, oh, well, we're having students come on campus and they're going to be here and they're going to try to live their, you know, to try to maintain some sort of uh, normal existence like they would any other fall, which I think is, 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 kind of, to me, it's pretty, uh, a lot of uh, hypocrisy. The other thing I thought was most interesting is that, that, you know, here it is, the Big Ten. They came out with a readjusted schedule, like no more than like a week and a half before the, the presidents got together. They had this new one. People started talking about the schedule. It was crap that uh, Michigan-Ohio State was going to be played in uh, October, and then they just did home, you know, uh, home team stuff for, for road teams. And then all of a sudden, uh, about a week and a half later, the board presidents go, eh, we're not going to have fall sports at all. Which, to me, I, I that just shows you, in all honesty, the right hand is not talking to the left hand, nor do they, do they even know that the right hand, they, that the, who are the right hand and the left hand in this situation? Well, that's right to Brandon's point. They're yeah. competent. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if the Big Ten had said, or, or you know, the, the Pac-10 had said, here's our, here's our plan. You know, come up with, you know, a strategic plan how we are going to do how are we going to navigate this so that we're not left at the institution level? Then maybe I can get behind them continuing to play fall sports. They left it to each one of the individual schools. As I mentioned last time, you know, my big concern was the lack of parity in funding, in, in quality of staff, in quality of facilities. And now granted, when you go down to the conference level, it gets closer. But you're never going to tell me or convince me that Rutgers and Maryland's football facilities and personnel line up with Ohio State and Michigan's. 
for sure. I mean, that's, there's probably millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of, of spending difference on a yearly basis between schools at, at a minimum. Um, and so, you know, I think, I, I think when you don't have with a game plan and just leave it up, you know, to the individual institutions, I think that's a, that's a terrible way to, to address it. And so that's why ultimately, as much as I love college football, like, I think it's probably the right thing to do. Uh, it's, it's unnecessary. You know, it's, it's a squandered moment, but it's probably still the right thing. You know, that, that that's actually, and I'm glad you brought that up, Adam, because that was another one of the just stupid things that happened out of this is that readjusted schedule coming out and then them completely reversing. I, I mean, what, what planet are you guys on? I mean, you're terrible at this. Good job. Um, and and the other the other part of it is is maybe maybe finally the the accountants got to the board president and said you know while we might be able to pull off the players playing um, we're not going to be able to really put anybody in the stands which means you're not going to make any money um, and so do the costs justify you know and again you could argue that if they were looking at it in the sense of hey. We, we want to give the players an opportunity, then they would, they would, they would eat that cost, but they can't do that um, for a variety of reasons. And, and again, it's, it's an, I, I do want to say though, it's not an easy situation. Nobody has ever dealt with this in the way we're dealing with it right now. So I do want to at least throw out there that no matter what anyone decides, it will be wrong to someone else. Um, and, and so the, there is, this is a no win scenario, but for the love of God, at least communicate and have a plan. Those are inexcusable if you don't do those things. Well, and, and in the end, I was just reading an article before we came on, you know, and it was all these, uh, big 10 football, uh, players, parents talking and, and basically, I mean, they're livid. They're absolutely livid because there's zero transparency. There's zero understanding as to now. I don't think there's a zero understanding of why the 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 decision was made by the Big Ten presidents, and more focusing on you had several months to try to figure out and be somewhat innovative. Of but course. but being someone in IT who has been given uh, the assignment at times of doing disaster recovery, I'm going to tell you, there's a, th this will be one of those, you have absolutely zero desire to talk disaster recovery on multiple levels. It, it, you know, disaster recovery is something where the, the first step is, what's the disaster? And of course, once you ask that question, you don't even have to worry about doing any more work because then they'll go, the people that need to make these decisions will go off in the corner and then they'll ne you'll never hear from them again. And this is exactly, this is something that, you know what, because people, and even when it happens, you can't even think about being innovative, let alone trying to define what this would look like. And here we are. And, and that's, it's so disappointing because I think there is a pathway of having college football, you know, there is absolutely a pathway, but because of money, pompous, arrogance, and general overall laziness, here we are. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to pile on the dead horse here. 
and and also say this and i'm not really trying to to hawk for my company by the way but the bottom line is is this comes down to leadership and one of the things that my ubiquitous employer did was actually listen to us when we said we need a disaster recovery plan put money into it significant money into it so that when this hit we were up and running immediately we had a staff in an independent location that was secure etc now could it was it really prepared for a pandemic no but it gave us the time to adjust to reopen have vital staff in have the cleanings done have the protocols in place within 48 hours so it's doable it's mm -hmm. absolutely doable and that is part of what's frustrating well and, and in the case of this i mean the the important part is this was a fairly telegraphed and the momentum of it was was building it wasn't spontaneous like 17 right. years ago when we had the eastern east coast power grid come down yep that well the, okay no one's prepared for that let's just get that out there for the most part right <laughs> for, for sure for so, sure so so but to your point you at least made and my employer did too i mean we're we've done amazing working from home especially considering uh so many of the people, i.e. engineers, really need to be on site to do a lot of their things, R&D and stuff like that. But they have figured out how to do those things from home. So they, that's correct. But going back to football, NCAA, they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing in, as far as I'm concerned. And they just sat there and they watched it, the, the, the wind and the clouds go by. So I – I'll, I'll close with this point, uh, and this is one of my favorite sayings that we use in IT, uh, which is, um, and we say this, this is what the user base position typically is, is that I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. And that, I think, sums this up perfectly. That said, let's let's shift to some bubble sports right now. Obviously, the NBA is going, and... Um, Let's start in that world, although I think the question applies to both is, you know, how are you perceiving the games right now? What's, what's your feel? What's your take? So on and so forth. I, as far as I'm concerned, I've tried to watch uh, the NBA. And, and when I say I've tried, I mean, I've, I've turned it on five, six times. Um, that is a sport where um, I can definitely tell you watching it without people uh, a crowd uh has been on my side a little on the difficult side and i i don't know specifically why or, or what i just can tell you it has impacted the viewership because in all honesty at the same time i've watched the hockey and it seems like I, I don't feel like i'm missing much but i think so much of that has to do with what we have uh and, and, and what's very strange to me though is i would have you know i've always said and we've said this over 20 years justin that Hockey is a sport that you have to be in person to watch um, and, and to really get the full essence of the game. The NBA, you can watch on television and get the full essence, in my mind, watching on television. For whatever reason in this pandemic, I can't get the essence of the NBA without the people there. But with, with hockey, 
I, I feel like the things are happening, the action's there, uh, and I'm able to, you know, I, I watched that, that five overtime game uh, the other night, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was at somebody's house, and, and you know, it, it was on, and, and that was, it, it was pretty good. Now, mind you, I think a five overtime game without people definitely it's not what it needs to be, but right. the announcers did a great job, and, and I could, you know, get sucked into it. So I, it's tough for me to kind of get into watching these things at this point. So. Yeah, I would, I would share your, your thoughts, but for both. Um, I actually really struggle to watch uh, NFL – or excuse me, NHL, uh, NBA, and baseball, all three. Um, baseball being, the, the, I think, the one I've enjoyed the most out of those three. The other two – really don't like without fans. Uh, I will get back into, you know, I'm a bigger basketball fan and hockey fan these days. So I will watch the NBA playoffs when they get to the point that they are interesting. Um, but, you know, the NBA regular season is also the least relevant of any regular season. Before. So, like, I also just don't care. Um, so, you know, I, I think I've really the only sport that I has captivated me has been golf. Where I really just, I haven't, you know, much that the fans were there. There's usually small groups of people um, around, you know, that will cheer as they did at the PGA Championship uh, when the world was dominating everyone. Uh, you know, that's really been the only sport I've enjoyed uh, watching on TV. So, you know, with watching the most baseball behind golf. Yeah, no, no, I, I would agree. I mean, uh, golf, and, and I mean, uh, we've made the, I've made this point the last couple of shows where I, I think golf has done an absolutely tremendous job of managing to get their sport out there while at the same time managing to protect the players. And yep. I, I, I think a large part of that, in, in all honesty, has been uh, come down to really the accountability of the players and, and making sure if they feel that there's a problem, they're out. We're, we're, we're leaving. We're not even going to – we'll just call the PGA and say, hey, we're not going to play. Uh, the other thing, they've done something innovative where uh, the caddies and the uh, players are wearing a, um, a bracelet that, that will tell whether or not they have these symptoms and, and, and whatever, which I don't know, it's probably as accurate as some of the tests that they've been doing officially probably in a lot of ways, but that's a whole other topic that I'm not going to go into. But – you're right. Golf, um, I didn't actually get the opportunity to watch the last round of the PGA, but I've watched, you know, the other ones and uh, including the, the uh, Memorial and stuff like that. And, and, and you're right. I mean, and now golf did make, uh, in my mind, a very good decision, though, was as good as the golf season has been. We're not having the Ryder Cup without people. So yes, push, yeah, push that yeah. off. And that that's the right decision. That's the absolute because the Ryder Cup with no one there <laughs> would have been uh, yeah, a major fest. downer. Yeah, total snooze yeah. fest. No, I, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's uh, – um, they've done a great job of just – I think in general how they've run the tournaments. Obviously, this is the first major last week. Um, but Memorial was super enjoyable. The Rocket Market was super enjoyable. They just seem to have uh, – seem to have gotten a really good beat on how to do this. And, you know, I think they will – benefit from it significantly in September and in November when the other two majors are held. Because I think a lot of the other sports are either have, will have concluded at this point or, you know, there. and I think that golf will, will do well um, in terms of viewership. 
Yeah, no, I and and to, to that point with with golf, and I think part part of the the intrigue of golf as well has been the fact of what uh, I have mentioned on the show several times. I think we're we're starting to get into a a uh, uh, new generation of of very highly extremely competitive golf, uh, and and you can tell it has uh, in my mind translated into their uh, overall success, including rating success. Uh, that they've been experiencing uh, during this pandemic as they continue to play. So. Yeah, I mean, it's in terms of, you know, um, just just name recognition at this point, it's the most loaded, I think, the field. You know, there was a surge like this a few years back with Spieth and McElroy and, and Tiger were kind of on the slide. I think, right. now, I mean, if you look at the, at the leaderboard, the last two days of the PGA, you know, you've got guys like Rory, early morning tee-offs, you know, like no one's um, – and just a loaded field uh, all afternoon to watch, you know, individual stories like DeChambeau, um, who is the Bowser from Mario Golf. Um, well, anyone who played that would understand that reference. So, <laughs> it's a good time for the sport. So I, I, I do yeah. – Um. Okay, no, 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 correct. And, and I think that, that – that helps a lot, and and I think you know you're, the, the last thing I'll mention as far as golf goes is the fact that golf really is something that uh, when you kind of look at it, uh, it, it's one of the few things um, uh, in this pandemic that people can do on a regular basis. And I yeah. will tell you, uh, because of that, I've played less than ten rounds of golf this year just because of how packed the golf courses are, uh, and as a result. Um, it's you know, and I, on one side for golf, and plus the the uh, locally, I've seen um, almost a borderline gouging um, uh, of prices uh, um, uh, from some courses. I mean, one course that was maybe thirty, forty dollars if you were to play on a Saturday or Sunday uh, now is charging seventy dollars, uh, uh, even at a tea time at six o'clock in the evening. So, so, yeah, I mean, that's what I've done. I had a ton this summer, um, but I've now moved to just playing basically Twilight because they're just gouging on the prices. The courses are packed. You know, I went out and played myself weeks back in the middle of the day. And, you know, it just, 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 just drag. I mean, just, just people playing just super slow. I think a lot of people that have never played before out there playing, and by all means, like, that I more people that play the best, certainly no PGA pro. So, but just just maybe not knowing the etiquette of the game, not knowing you know ready golf, and it's it's been it's been a slog out there. So. Yep. Yep. So that core, I've, I'm out. I'm good. I'll just sit in at my house and watch golf and drink I, I, beer. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping I'm keeping it going. I'm trying to get out there. So. <laughs> so let's let's talk about one thing. Um, separate in the NHL, which is the uh, NHL draft lottery. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Get some kindergartners together and try to help them explain to the NHL how it should be done. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, New York Rangers, who are in the playoffs, get the number one pick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I mean, Gary Batman really, you know, he has tried so hard to protect Rob Manfred from the worst commissioner <laughs> in the four major sports. So kudos to him for that. But uh, I, just again, just 
silly, 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 silly. I mean, you know, it's not good. You have to have several articles on major sports outlets that have to explain the how of your process. Yes. Like a three-page reader on ESPN and TSN about how this even works. Uh Uh-huh. Like, and you can't even get me to click the link. That seems like too much. Yes. I'll I'll wait and read the results, you know? I just, and and this is, you know, I know more more specific to where I'm just at with the sport. Like, I think the reason why I know him is because he has maneuvered that league into irrelevance. Just, it pains me to say it as someone that followed hockey so closely for 20 years. Um, it just, it, it's just irrelevant. Like, it just, they just can't seem to do anything right. And I know that there are good teams and good series that are happening right now, but it's just overshadowed by the, the apathy that this sport has, you know, broadly. Yeah. So that said, let's transition into the world of baseball. Um, and there's been quite a, obviously quite a lot going on there. Um, we, and we have both the overarching COVID situations of the Cardinals and the Marlins and, and, and how that's been impacted. We have very interesting set of circumstances going on in Cleveland. Um, and then obviously we have what's going on on the field and the Tigers and so on and so forth. So starting with the bigger picture stuff, I want to set it up with talking about the Cleveland situation. Um, and I cannot remember his first name because I think of Dan Plezak because, you know, you know, he was a reliever for what the Brewers and a few other teams forever, but oh, 15 other teams. Yeah. yeah give, give or take. He didn't quite do the uh, Octavio Dotel uh, circuit, but pretty close, um, you know, but the young kid, please. Um, and another player from the Indians went out breaking uh, MLB protocols, went out to dinner with friends in Chicago came back to the team, told their team, oh, no, we didn't do anything. Then we're confronted with evidence that, yes, they really had broken the protocols. Um, and please, it's a good young pitcher uh, in their rotation. They sent him home to quarantine for a few days, which is protocol. And then when he cleared and was negative, they optioned him back to uh, their training site. So very decisive action taken there by the Indians. They said, I, I don't care if you're going to help our team on the field you break the protocol and you lie about it, you can go sit in somewhere in Ohio that's not Cleveland, which I guess that's a punishment because you're not in the MLB. But anyway, the the point is uh, they they took a really aggressive stance. Um, We've not seen that across Major League Baseball. And we have seen, you know, these two big outbreaks. And, And so then the question is, how do you manage this? And thus far, I don't think the MLB has done a terrible job, but what's next, you know? I mean, I think in terms of these two guys, Nick Francona said it best, right? You have to demonstrate they are not oxygen thieves. <laughs> I did not hear that. He did. He said that, yeah. That's amazing. God, I yeah, love so Francona. He's still, he's still waiting to hear uh, if they are, are have demonstrated that they deserve to consume oxygen on Earth. <laughs> I will refer you to Nick Francona's comments. For my thoughts on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but I, I think so far what's been interesting, you know, we started the season and um, uh, Brandon's favorite baseball team outside the Tigers, the Marlins, ended up, you know, having a, a, 
a tough start to the season. They seem to be able to figure that out pretty quickly. And then the Cardinal, this Cardinal situation has been completely whacked. And, you know, it's kind of like what they were in Milwaukee and a bunch of them went to the uh, casino one night. And then, you know, that just kind of cascaded into the whole organization ending up, you know, getting COVID. So, um, and, and I think to that point, you have to be responsible. That's the and, and that's the biggest challenge that you got here is that you've got to and if you're going to go out and do things, you have to be intelligent and hoping that wherever you're going uh, is responsible. But the point being, from a major league baseball standpoint, and any of these professional sports leagues, it's best that you avoid all these things altogether. Let alone, you know, try to tempt fate. And and that didn't happen. What was most interesting, though, was after that first series that they canceled for St. Louis, and then it looked like they were going to have some more cancellations, that's when, you know, Manfred and Major League Baseball got, there was a lot of heat. Oh, well, just, just called off, be done, so on and so forth. And, you know, I'll, I'll give Manfred credit. He, he stuck to his guns and said, no, we're moving forward. And so far... So far, what is that, three weeks now? It's been the right decision to move forward. And yeah. um mm-hmm. I, I and, and that's been and, and I, I you know and, and to your point, uh Brandon, you said earlier when we were talking about what, what we're watching, I have watched baseball. I, I have watched I have watched baseball. I don't Same. feel as if the pandemic has uh, now, mind you, when you're watching the Tigers, it has not been a dramatically different crowd uh, than I've seen, uh, you know, so it really is not, uh, the, the impact is rather minimal. And again, I'm joking, of course, but the point is, is that really, with the way those stands have looked the last couple of seasons, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, and that's something that we've actually been joking about here is, um, like, you know, we're season ticket holders, like, can't we like just go sit in a section like you know and and i mean typically there's not that many people there anyway so why not let in you know four people per section or something well not but your section would be busy i mean because you've got the gym price fan club that would be there and there's no doubt in my mind that those people would be there oh i i i concur (laughs) first off you are 100 percent correct adam um and they would be handing out pom-poms for the seventh inning stretch that had been slobbered all over i actually had a theory that covid started in his Oh no! Oh no! 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 The pom poms actually. Oh no! Oh no! Okay! Okay! Not Jim Price. Come on! No! 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 The guy who's the guy that runs the Jim Price fan club that actually the pom poms in his duffel bag actually form a sentient being that has like a face and everything, and that's like COVID actually started in that bag. Which to me really substantiates and validates my decision to go up and get ice cream every time that he stands up to try to hand those out. So I feel like so it's really the Woodward virus. Comerica Park section two. uh, Uh, It's really the it's the Woodward it's the COVID two nineteen. Which uh, all you're adding is the two, or you call it the Woodward virus, right? The Woodward Woodward flu. The Woodward the flu. Woodward there you flu. Go. Yes, that's um, that's that's slanderous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, 
you know, uh, but but I'm I'm with you. I've been watching baseball. It does suck without fans in the crowd. Oh uh, yeah, because you know, in watching, you know, when you get to those bigger moments where the crowd really gets into it and what have you. But on the other hand, it's it doesn't change the game substantially, and mm-hmm. it's nice to actually see it going on. The players are getting settled in to it, and and baseball has made some smart decisions altering the rules to help facilitate these things. They're going to have to play a lot of doubleheaders. So they're going to do the seven inning doubleheader, which is what they do in the minor leagues already. Um, I still hate the runner on second rule. I still think it's one of the dumbest things um, that baseball has ever done. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I, it was funny. I was listening to a game on the radio driving around and Dan Dickerson said something almost very similar. He's like, boy, I hope they get rid of this next year. <laughs> um but you know what? For one year to help shorten the games, okay. I mean, it, th- these are extraordinary times. Fine. You know, I think well, Universal but, DH is going to stay, which makes me sad. But at this point, it was I inevitable, mean, anyways. It was. Um, and and the product on the field has been, for the most part, pretty good. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's not perfect. They're bringing players up, down, left, right. But again, baseball is doing the best it can with what it has to work with. And I've enjoyed watching the first, whatever it's been, 10, 12, 20 games. I don't even know. Like I said, all concepts of time have more or less depends. Stopped, but... it, 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 it depends. If you're the Cardinals, you've played That's five. True. If you're the Tigers, I think you've played 20 or something like or 20. And I think up to yeah. 25 games have been played by some yeah. of the teams. Hey, hey, not having people in the stands last night probably saved whoever would have been killed by that Nico Goodrum home run. So, oh, my gosh, that thing was a rocket. I thought to myself, my gosh, if someone would have been out in right field for that, someone would have been seriously hurt with that, that rocket that went out there. And, oh, and people are lucky. Well, you saw Reyes' home run, you know, front front meal Reyes. It hasn't landed yet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that one, you want to talk about a home run that would have hurt somebody. Yeah. That one, that would have almost taken, that almost would have taken somebody out on the concourse where the statues are at. I mean, it's, so it was like 470 feet. Yeah. I mean, they, they, when he hit that ball, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, it was just like, well, just with Nico Goodrens, his ball was like 425 feet, like in yes. two seconds. I'm like, oh, someone would have been in there. Oh, they would have just been, what happened? I mean, you're just turning your head for a minute. Where he hit it would be no no even expectation of a ball coming in your well, direction. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't necessarily catch the for meal. I was cooking something at the time, so I missed it. But yeah. Like I, I said, I, well, I mean, if you want to tune into a live stream, I'm sure it's still traveling. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go stand out on uh, Witherill and uh, you might catch it. Um, it's probably out by the person at this point. So. Yeah. So let's talk about the product on the field for the Tigers. Um, it's been a very enjoyable watch. Uh, they're nine and seven. Certainly wouldn't expect them to be doing any better than that. Or maybe nine and eight after yesterday. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, they it, like I said, it's been enjoyable to watch. And the, and the thing that I'm taking away from this is that. Um, and I know it's early. You know, they haven't played that many games, but it feels like this team, its attitude, and its. Um, attention to actually playing good baseball is way different 
than last year. And, and how, how do I mean that specifically? How they're handling at-bats, how they're handling base running, uh, th those two things in particular. Because that has, those have been two of the things that have really infuriated me in the past. And we've talked about it on this show. And it feels like they are playing more professional baseball right now. Um, so that's my two cents. No, and when you look at the team, they're definitely better fielding, mm -hmm. better base running. Yeah, that's a good point. Better, I mean, when you looked at even that first inning last night, you knew that they were going to be at least offensively all right, and they scored five runs because, I mean, they, they, uh, the, 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 the uh, Cleveland starter had almost 30 pitches in the first inning, which, I mean, like almost unheard of the last couple of seasons uh, for any inning, let alone the first inning uh, of a Tigers team. I mean, really, Brandon, this team has done a lot of good things with the biggest bomb being the, the absolute. And we talked about it on the last show. The starting pitching we knew was not going to be great. Uh, yeah, definitely not great thus far at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Justin, you really hit on what I was, you know, kind of because I'm going to, you know, I'll douse my normal Tigers cold water here in a moment. But the, the eye test of this baseball team, so much different. Uh, the fielding, noticeable anecdotally. Uh, just the, the way they run the bases. Some of the plate discipline, though, some others are. For sure. Um, just it, it just feels like a different team. You know, it caught some bad luck, obviously, with CJ Crone. Uh, that, that is a buffer. Um, it just does – it really does feel like a team. There's been a couple of guys who, like, are playing at, I think, the high end of what we thought they might be as professionals, Jimenez and Jacoby Jones, most probably. Um, and so just I have enjoyed watching them uh, this year. And in a shortened season – you know, to quote Herm Edwards, who played to win the game, and they are winning more games than they are losing. And we, not, if at any point in this season, it's a case for them, then it is a success. But I don't think they're very good. And statistically, they are atrocious. I mean, they are in the bottom third of almost every major pitch, pitching and hitting category uh, on a team level. And I, and I get 20 games, you know, weird Marlins, Cardinals, you know, bizarre number of games played lack of parity there, um, but I don't see any real big statistical difference between this team and the team last year. Um, and again, I just haven't seen anyone that Alavila has drafted that has done absolutely anything. You know, the guys that are showing up well are, are all Dombrowski guys, and I get that Avila was here when they were acquired, but Candelario started to hit, which is nice. That, that like, thank right. God for him and his career that he's managed to hit, but, you know, Stewart, yeesh, you know. Um, some Stewart, of the, the, Stewart was a Dombrowski pick, by the way. No, 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 I know. I'm just saying, okay. like, the, you know, the kind of the young guys were waiting to come up, you know, mm -hmm. aren't, aren't there. The guys that are showing up, Turnbull, Jones, Jimenez, uh, Boyd, you know, Boyd struggling. I, don't, I still think he's a great pitcher. Like, these are all pre-Avila guys. Yes. You know? And Casey Mize could come up tomorrow and shut me up real quick, and, and we'll find out because I think he's going to be phenomenal uh, at this level but you know and then Cabrera yeah Cabrera is disappointing obviously but what, what what I think is interesting about his situation is I think it's mental not physical this time I around. do too I do too and from my perspective as, as a fan um, I'd rather him be having mental problems than physical problems yes, totally. because this is a guy who is 
has put up ridiculous career numbers, the chances of him recovering from a mental, like he's like any other player. One of these days, he's going to have a game where he accidentally gets three hits and then is just going to bust loose. And, and, and the thing is, is he's still barreling the ball. Well, I mean, like one of the outs he made last night, almost knocked the infielder over. So, and you see his frustration. Yeah, no, and I think that's fair. Um, and if you look at his sub, uh, you know, his kind of the saber metrics on him in terms of, you know, velocity off the ball, I don't remember the exact stats. Um, but he's got some of those sub metrics look very good for him. But it, yep. you know, yeah. he's hitting 190. He's getting on, you know, I mean, the numbers are so bad, you know, and I just, like, you know, I, I want him to do, be Nelson Cruz, be 40 years old and, you know, have 20 RBI already. You know, like, I, it, it's just, I, it's not good. But like, and and just to close and I'll let you jump in. Like, I keep saying it every year we do the show. Like, we're now at twelve hundred at bats of the same guy. That's where we are. I mean, you can go back twelve hundred at bats, and you're getting generally the same guy. The thing with Cabrera, uh, in in my, I mean, now that I mean, he appears to be in the best shape that he's been in in quite some time. So I think, to your point, it's a mental thing. And even in his prime, he was never a great first month of the season Very true. guy. And that's where, yeah. and 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 so that's where I go. I I want to get the big guy. Uh, uh, another week or two before I get all um, uh, nervous about what, and I think Justin, you said it. I mean, it, it all takes is one good, you know, one good game. Then all of a sudden he'll, he'll break out of it. And your thing too, to kind of uh, to couple with the comments that Brandon made, you know, he's trying to, to be a, a great baseball player in a lineup with not so great baseball players. And I think it get, we, we keep on focusing on those performances when he was being protected by J.D. Martinez and Victor, Victor Martinez. And they had a, a little, I mean, this injury to C.J. Crone is a real backbreaker. And I it mean, when, when, when he, the, he was signed and brought on, we were, I think the overall uh, consensus in C.J. Crone was we were fairly positive about it. Hey, it's a good signing. And it really looked to be something that could have been a bit of a game yeah, changer totally. for Mickey Cabrera in this organization, a lot more than I think any of us thought it would be. Uh, and, and I think, um, uh, unfortunately, that, that, that's another strike against Mickey Cabrera. I, I, I just, uh, um, it, you're right. It's been very frustrating. But at the same time, when I'm looking at this team, uh, we're, we're looking at the finally the development of uh, Can uh, Candelario, uh, um, I, I, I think, and again, I don't want to get all excited yeah. about a week and a half, but, and I mean, it, it, of all the players that look like they greatly benefited from that gap uh, there because Candelario did look completely lost the first week of the season. Then they had that break, and then all of a sudden he, he reset himself, and now he in the last two weeks, he looked like he may be finally that player that we traded for. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think the other one is Jacoby Jones, who, you know, we talked about how much, you know, talent he had, but it was a matter of maturity and focus. And, and he had a couple of small injuries pulling him out of games, but he might be finally capturing some of his potential. Well, he, he, I mean, he showed flashes last year, and he is by he the, oh, yeah. the most fun player on this team to watch. 
uh, just on a night in night out basis. And no, I, I do want to go back. I mean, I think I still maintain that Avila gets credit for some of the signings he's made this year and the impact that's had on the points Justin was making about of this team, putting statistics aside, Romine, Shoup, and Crone, very good, you know, just solid baseball players who I think have contributed quite a bit to that eye test that we're talking about. But just on Cabrera, like, I mean, I, yeah, and he started slow. And, you know, five years ago, that meant 260 with, you know, a 400 OBP and, you know, 15 RBI through him. I mean, like, he's a He's doing just fine. I mean, yeah, we were, we were saying it's slow because he wasn't hitting 330. No, that's true. Yeah, and, and um, the frame of reference here is always that he is considered to be the second or best hitter of his And so, like, that's the frame of reference. I'm not talking about right. a slug or whatever that had a couple of big gears. Right. Um, just, just to – I wanted to get the actual numbers here. Um so Cabrera's hard hit ball, which is if you exit velocity yes, of 95 yes. or higher, is 59.4%, which puts him in the top 3% in the league. Yes. Um, and is a big improvement over last year where he was around 44, 45%. Um, and then secondly, his expected batting average, which is based on where the balls were hit at what velocity, is uh, 294. So all things being equal across. And, and so the way they do this is obviously they take like every – at bat pretty much in the history of baseball and based on where the ball was hit, where they, it's not quite history, but where they, they have those maps. Um, and it's, it's longer than you would think. Um, this is what he would have gotten if you aggregate, you know, the, it's where the normal distribution basically hits the center. So. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I wanted to bring that those two things up. Cause I have read that and I, and I want to give veracity to that, but again, I just at 1200 at bat. You know, and it just, yeah. we can talk sabermetrics all day, but the pattern across those the last four years and those number of at bats, it's yeah. just not good. You know, I you know I feel good about this show because every time we're we're just about to throw in the towel on anything, whether it be and for years, oh the Tigers, oh they're playing bad, and then and then we'd be done with the show, and within a day or two of the show, it would completely reverse, and then and then we'd be oh man, they're playing great, the Lions are playing whatever, and then all of a sudden they reverse. So I always find that this show is a great barometer. So and I I I have a feeling that Mickey Cabrera, by the time we draw our next show, we'll have twenty home runs. He'll have twenty. <laughs> home run over the nothing next would, four nothing weeks. Nothing would make me happier. I'll get a big bowl of yeah. whatever you want me to eat. All right, <laughs> but, but again, your points are accurate, Brandon. Are. I no, think that, that no, I, I'm not. And, and the, the good news, though, is that this team looks like they're playing some baseball. And yes. for the love of all things holy, they didn't look like that the last two years. And Amen. that's, you know, and I, 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 I think sometimes, too, is that there are people that get sucked into all these little itty bitty numbers and those numbers are very telling. Don't get me wrong. But the point is, is that if you're going out and you're winning games. That's just, just, just please entertain me at times. And at the same time, <laughs> because there was nothing entertaining about this team at all. Period. Totally yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, oh. And that's why I said like at any point this year that they have more wins than they have losses is, is an unqualified success. Right. That that's a great bar, Adam. Please entertain me at times. It's <laughs> amazing. Hey, um, guy, I, I I did want to bring up a uh, a couple guys. You know, we talked about CJ Crone. Um, the other one, um, I I think his presence 
on this team is way more important than the actual stack, even though the stat from last night is incredible. Uh, and that's, and I think Justin, you know, I have loved this guy for longer than I care to admit to, but Cameron Maven on this team is always a good thing in my mind. I, I think besides Curtis Granderson, Cameron Maven is a guy that needs to be on, on the Tigers team even just sitting on the bench, I think he's impactful. The last night, he did uh, put one uh, a stat out there where he was the, um, I think, only like the seventh major leaguer to have a home run in three decades in the same uniform, I believe. Or three the seventh Tiger. He's actually the oh, seventh, seventh Tiger. Okay. Yeah, okay. Cabrera has actually done it. Um, Ty, Cobb. Ty Cobb did it. Uh, okay. Vic Wirtz. Um, there's a handful of others. K-Line, I'm sure, had to have been 50s yes. 70s. Yeah, I, you know, there's quite a few guys that have done it before. It was seven guys. Seven yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, but you know, Tigers or seven guys? No, Tigers. Seven Tigers. Yeah, okay. I, I introduced it wrong. I apologize. Gotcha. We, it was oh, good, Whitaker, though, when I... Uh, Trammell. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But, but it's such a rare thing these days. And granted, Maben with a very unconventional way of doing that. But uh, I agree. I really like seeing him in a Tiger uniform. Um, And again, it gets back to what we've been saying is they look like they're actually playing real baseball. And a good chunk of that is because they, they did put some professionals on the team this year who are going to help those younger guys develop. And thank God they did that. And we, we said this in the off season before all the nonsense that thank God they got some guys who could play some baseball because it's going to also take the pressure off some of these young kids because when they're losing every game, it, it, it just, it's just not a good development experience. Yeah. I, mean, I did want to, Oh, go ahead. I, I did want to bring up a couple other players. So if you wanted to hit your point, Brandon, no, I was just going to reemphasize, you know, I'm not sure what they do with prone or shoot or whatever, but keep, keep Roma in place with all the guys. Yeah, he has way. We have exceeded. no other. We have no other options in our farm system. I don't know. Jake Rogers. Like, yeah, he, keep this guy around for a while. The other two, you know, you can decide if you want to overpay for them right. next year. But like, keep this guy. Yeah, he has way exceeded expectations. That's for sure. And I hope they do. Uh, no, no question about that. Because Rogers still isn't going to be ready. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but a couple other guys I did want to bring up. We are seeing Victor Reyes start to come into his own, and I've been a fan of his for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about him on here, and he just looks like a baseball player. Um, just finds ways to get on base, just makes good plays, and he's 25 years old. He's bulked up. This m- might be Avila's first actual, like, real positive move, you know, because he picked him Rule 5 a couple years ago. Um, you know, so you've got him um, and Willie Castro, who I've been running my mouth about for a couple of years now as well. Another yes, you have. Trave. And his first, granted, two games, two games. Two games doesn't mean jack, but he came up here and just looked like he knew how to play baseball. Last year, he looked lost when he was up in September. Mm-hmm. These first two games, like yesterday, he got a hanging breaking ball and just hit a rocket uh, on on a um, like a one-two count. Like, just, it was a professional at bat. And... It, it, yeah, no, and Reyes, that's a good point on Reyes. I mean, he was outstanding with the Tigers last year. He was outstanding last year, and he was hitting at a ridiculous pace down there. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the consistency from him has been great. 
And then uh, Gregory Soto. I didn't want to leave him out either. Um, boy, what a transformation he's made. Now, again, yeah. he's had a great arm. Tigers have known that for a while. Um, they brought him up from – he made like two, three starts at double A in his career when they brought him up last year. And, again, getting to one of the points that we've talked about is Avila did not give the Tigers enough depth on their roster last year, so they had to rush guys to the majors, which was part of the reason why things were so bad. And, again, Avila did make the course correction this year by, by bringing in more people. But Soto, they changed his delivery. And they made it much smoother. They told him, you're going to be a reliever, so don't have to worry about stamina. We're going to shorten your delivery. You're going to pitch from the stretch. It's going to be more of a slide step. And he can still throw it at 99 doing that. Or he's hit 100 a couple times. Um, boy, what what a difference that mechanical adjustment uh, yeah, has made on him. Just kind of a great journey for him. I mean, God, he's been in our system for six seven years at least I at mean, least I, yeah I remember they they picked him up at like 18 like you know uh and just watching him progress through i've just been basically every single interval of our farm system, you know over the last seven eight years it's nice to see him you know he's still incredibly young he's like 26 or something 25 so it's, it's still you know just to, to to have invested this much in him um and for him for it to be paying off is, is let's see speaks well to you know our future future that uh, you know we can a guy like that over that way. For sure. I, the the one guy that I've been impressed by, uh, and and granted he's he's pitched well enough to be impressed by, uh, has been Spencer Turnbull, who yeah. has really, uh, you know, and Jack Morris talked about him the first game uh, that he was on there, talking about where um, he he felt as if Spencer Turnbull could be the best pitcher in the organization that that was according to um him and when you look at and he was trying to make comparisons uh and and he was talking about what an athlete that he is and i i I think if i were to say the best athlete on the team it's it's by far jacoby jones right but if i were to go and if i had to name number two i would go probably spencer turnbull uh, in, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and I think the funny thing about Spencer Turnbull, I watch him, and it's funny that Jack would say that because I think he's got some Jack Morris, very young Jack Morris tendencies, uh, where I think, again, we talked about Miggy Cabrera and it being mental, and certainly with Turnbull, it, it's mental. But he's got, uh, he's got that, but in the meantime, that potential he has that needs to be kind of harnessed gives me a little bit of a, a Max Scherzer uh, um, uh, feeling as well. And I know those are big, big names being thrown out at this point, especially as many picks as they've invested, and we'll talk about one of them in, in, in a minute. But I, I think Spencer Turnbull does have the potential of being someone really special. Uh, and it's just a matter of maturity and refining at this point. But I, I've been known to yeah. go. He he has really impressed. Uh, he's in fact a Tiger starter tonight, and uh, looking forward to watching him. Um, but he has very much, very much impressed, and he's got that intensity, um, like you were saying, Adam. Um, with you know very, that is very Morris like his intensity and talking to himself out on the mound, uh, kind of Fidrich style as well. But uh, not quite to that level. But you get my point. 
and and where are we all at? I think like there's a lot of uh, there, there, there's an uproar, there's scuttle, there's uh, that Casey Mize is not up with the team at this point, and I. I, I guess my general impression is I, I'm not really under. Yeah, yeah, your your starting pitching is not good. That, that we know that Michael Fulmer, you have not been good. Matt Boyd, you have not been good. But I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not really sure if I understand the end game of those who are wanting Casey Mize up this season. Yeah, to me, I I'm not in a hurry to see him up in the major leagues. Um, I'm in a little bit of a hurry, um, but not like a massive hurry. Um, I do want to see him at some point. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you know, like, like Fulmer, they're still trying to stretch out. Uh, They're pitching Norris kind of back to back with him and he's going to pitch again tomorrow. Fulmer and Norris, even though Norris pitched yesterday, but Gardy said that after the game. Um, Boyd, you got to figure, is going to turn around. Turnbull's been excellent. Nova, I mean, he's been rough. He's been <laughs> rough. For those of you without the video feed, Brandon's face kind of really <laughs> summed that up pretty perfectly. Um, you know, and then you've got Tyler Alexander, and they want to see what he can do in a starting role. So in a season where you're not expecting to go to the playoffs or anything else like that, might as well. Let, let's see what happens. And maybe maybe Nova ends up in the bullpen before it's all said and done so you can get another one of the young guys up pitching. But, like, for example, if both Fulmer and Norris get stretched out and are pitching well, then they should probably be in the rotation too. Uh, and then maybe that makes it easier to offload somebody. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think the Tigers are just kind of feeling their way through everything right now. Yep. And I'm fine with that, honestly. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I, you know, I, from a fan standpoint, I want to see him pitch. I mean, of course, I wouldn't I mean? I think I think he has a chance to be the best pitcher we've had since Verlander. You know, that's come up through our system. Yep. I mean, I, it just he just looks so good, and so you know, you mentioned Victor how he just shows up on the field. Well, he shows up in the same way that a dominant starters in this league do. Mm-hmm. He just he just comes out there and he looks like he belongs, much the way that Verlander did you know, when he came up and he just has that presence about him. And so I want to see him from that standpoint. I can't think of any possible reason why him up in COVID times with this team where they're at, you know, why, you know, I, I, I assume he'll start a game or two this year. But Same. What, what, what's the rush? Right. Exactly. I think at toward the end of the year, they'll yeah. bring him up and he will get a couple of starts just to get his feet wet. Like they do most of the time in the majors and then next year next they're going to look to yeah. him yeah. to be to be I mean, one of the starters yeah he's going to they're going to want 150 innings out of him next year so mm-hmm. yep. anybody else you wanted to talk to or any other uh last uh, thoughts on the tigers well another guy playing good baseball again this year and he he just you know seems like wherever they put him he he just continues to get a little better and better every season nico goodrum i mean i, I you know again it's another guy that just you know he just seems to be getting a better grasp on baseball every year where and i think you know a lot of people you know when you read the buster Olney's from two three years ago i mean there was people in baseball that really thought he had a lot of potential but the Tigers were pretty much nope, nope. We're we're keeping good room and, and we're gonna, you know, keep on using them. And and it really has turned out to be a really 
good decision as you're looking. And, and with that, and I want to go back, Candelario, a guy um, that I just, I'm so excited because, I, you know, he has a baseball pedigree. And, you know, last year, he, like, he just could not, in the batter's box, he was never comfortable. And he just, it was almost like he didn't want to be there. Now you look at him, he is in it to win it. And I, I, again, another guy, and, and I, when, when I'm going through, you know, this roster right now, what I'm trying to do is wrap my mind around trying to figure out who, when this team is back to playing good baseball, and I'm, I'm not saying that they're not good playing good, but I mean, to Brandon's point, stat-wise, a little bit, you know, for, for sure, right? Well, and again, I, I there, there's, there's several definitions of good when it comes to baseball, right? Yeah. I, and at this point, <laughs> they're playing... Like 2013 to find it here. Right. Well, and I, 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 correct. That's great baseball, I think. <laughs> and that's where we can argue and whatever. But the point being is that I'm trying to figure out on this particular roster, who are those guys that are going to be here? And it, he keeps on, and, and the thing I'm, I'm careful about, though, at the same time, is that you've got players that just continue progressing, and that's the most exciting part about watching this team right now. So. Yeah, I, I like Nico. I think what you're hitting on is the, the right question. Is, is where, where is Nico on a playoff team? You know, I, I see him as maybe, you know, the best or one of the best utility players in Major League Baseball. You know, when, he's, when you start getting kind of, you know, at scale for him, I think he, he, he diminishes. I mean, and he's gotten 400-plus at-bats last year. Don't get me wrong. But I think some of his weaknesses are a little bit exposed when he's deployed like we're deploying him. And so – and that doesn't mean he's not a starter in, in the league. I just mean, I think, you know, if you were to put him on the Yankees or, you know, another very good baseball team, he's probably the first guy off the bench, you know. And so I think – I think as, as this team gets to the place where more talent comes up from the farm system, it came out this week that they're up like five or six in Major League Baseball in terms of talent and quality. Like, what happens to some of these guys where, you know, in a vacuum of talent, you know, they're getting a lot more at-bats and a lot more opportunities. Where do they actually fall out of Mario in there, too, until I can see a far more cons- – a season of, of quality. Well and- – and this brings us to really the next big challenge for Alavila is if these players do develop and and you've got this this plethora of talent that actually is producing or capable of producing um, then then you can check the box and say okay he did his job in rebuilding the farm system bringing yeah. in talent but then it's it's a very different thing when you have to do that assessment of okay what's the right fit chemistry wise what's the right fit long term you know uh, injury uh, proneness um, so on and so forth and that's a a different challenge for general managers and will he pick those right pieces because I thought the same things Adam of of looking at a team and saying you know is this one of the guys that we're going to see in Tigers uniform for 10 years um, or is this a guy who I'm going to be sad to see go in a year or two, but I understand why, because they, there's somebody behind him. Because, you know, we still have Isak Paredes in the minors. Um, you know, at some point he's going to come up, and they're going to need a, a place to put him, um, assuming that he is anywhere near what they think he is in terms of a player. Um, you know, Torkelson's probably only a couple of years away. Um, there's another guy who can play third base, right? 
Uh, and same with Paredes. You know, Paredes could play second also. Um, Willie Castro is probably better suited for second or third base than shortstop, but probably would be all right at shortstop. Um, and then you've got um, – there's one other person. But you've got Candelario already there too. So who makes it out of that? Or does he just shift to first base full time? You know, well, I think that, that was where I was going to go, too, is, you know, how long is Riley Green staying in the outfield as well? Um, you know, just – and I don't mean that as any knock on Riley Green. I just – the trend in baseball is a lot of these young guys are coming out in the outfield for a couple of years, and then they're moved to one of the, you know, one of the, the corner infield spots, you know, for a variety of reasons, especially yeah. big hitters. Yeah, although with Green, he is such a phenomenal athlete. Um, he might be the exception, but, yeah, he, for sure. For he, sure. He might be, I mean, I can only go by a few of the clips, but if you, he could be the one guy that will supersede Jacoby Jones from an ath- athletic standpoint. And I, think I, and I think Riley Green is going to tell you he wants to be in the outfield. That, that's, I, I think that's where, uh, and it will be, a, I think in the end, you're going to have Jacoby Jones in center field, and if he continues developing as well, then you put you know, Riley Green probably in, in right field, uh, and then you kind of figure out what you're going to do uh, with your, but, and, and I think that, you know, that's been one of the other things that has been nice is this outfield defense has been measurably yes. better this season uh, compared to last season where I, I didn't quite know from one game to another what exactly we were going to get. Uh, and, and the last thing I'm going to bring up, I think if I were putting all the comments, positive, negative, whatever comments aside, the best part about this season has been the rejuvenation of Mr. Ron Gardenhire. That, and I think that was something I was getting nervous about in August and September of last year was I thought that this team, if it wanted to at least get to the next step was, you know, and for all the years that we had managers, I didn't necessarily like, uh, I love, you know, I love J- uh, Leland, but after that and, and before that, uh, I I can't go through where I have a manager that's in confidence is brimming uh, well over the uh, uh, top of the cup uh, at all. And I think having Ron Garden hire, and especially on this team with all the players we've talked about and the players that will eventually be coming up is a real good thing for the fan base in your organization. So, yeah, you know, I think I certainly agree on Gardner. They close the loop on Riley Green. I think it's how, a couple of things. One, uh, can he stay healthy? And two, you know, how do they decide to develop him? And by that, I mean, what's his training look like? I mean, think about what's going on in the Yankees with the right now. They have a bunch of guys, and they're not as good as athletes as Riley Green, but they're constantly getting hurt. And I think part of it has to do with the way they're thinking about how those guys show up on the field, like how much they're the, the strength training. Like, like how they bodies, what they decide to do with them has an impact on the trajectory of where these guys are. They continue to bulk up. Like, there's very few Mike Trouts in the world that can bulk up like that and continue to stay healthy and play in the outfield. I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with them. Yeah, and, and that is something we have talked about in the past here, too, is definitely the way strength and conditioning has, has gone is that it has made players more injury-prone. That's anecdotal at this point. Uh, I don't know if there's studies out there, but the bottom line is is these players are able to do more and more and push their bodies 
to more and more extremes because of their training. And at some point, your body just says, nope, and you exceed that threshold. And I really hope that they're very careful because Green has bulked up. He's 19 years old. It's like he's still like growing. His body hasn't yeah. quite finished its thing yet. So let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. But that is going to be one of the things. Um, as uh, yeah, Judge went on the DL uh, yesterday or IL or whatever the hell it is and, now. And Stanton can't stay healthy. And Stanton can't and again, stay healthy. And I, I don't think the Judge or Stanton are good of pure fielding athletes as Riley Green, but nevertheless, I mean, how long is it going to be till you know they wheel around Stanton in a you know wheel a bubble wrap to keep the guy healthy, right? Right. Because, you know, it, it's just the way that I think it's going for a lot of these outfielders. Yeah, for sure. Especially with, that are already big to begin with. Right. Yeah, no question there. So any uh, last-minute thoughts as uh, we get ready to sign off here? Well, by the time we do our next show, which I guess maybe uh, the second weekend of September probably, we'll probably be doing it right before the NFL season. Um, there is no pre uh, preseason, um, though it's my understanding and uh, – I'm curious about how that will play out because I'm hearing like the Lions are saying to fans that they can come, but then there's other teams that are not going to have fans in the stadium. So it goes back to our discussion as we started the show about no one taking the bull by the horn and making some critical decisions here. Um, but, you know, in general, yeah, the NFL season will be underway. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think there's still more of a story to tell with college football uh, no between question. now and then uh, and trying to, for them to try to figure out and how much of a backlash there's going to be uh, from, um, you know, uh, the players and, and the players' parents. And uh, I would assume some lawyers will get involved. So that should be very exciting. Um, and uh, I, I think, and, and, and I think we'll be, and how we talked about the continued sustaining success that the uh uh pga tour will have uh with their um uh um season and uh them continue to uh do their best in terms of capturing uh you know the momentum and uh that they've had and uh seeing how all that plays out and hopefully uh the pga tour as a whole continues to stay healthy so here here with that said, that's going to wrap us up for this edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. You can catch us all over the place on the web. And um, don't know when we're actually going to do this uh, radio style again. But uh, for the time being, we'll keep posting this stuff every couple of weeks. And um, well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about uh, in September. No doubt about that. For Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee, my name is Justin Lee. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. Take care.